All right, and what's up, Amazon seller chat, Mike Michelini? What's up, up in here? E-commerce OG, <laughs> global from Asia. How you doing, everybody? I'm doing. I'm Great doing good. Here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just connected the other day. Both living out here in Asia, e-commerce mm -hmm. lifestyle. You've been doing e-commerce since what 2004? Yeah, somehow started selling eBay back then. Yeah, back in New York City days. Nice. So it's been it's been quite the journey. Yes, it has. Awesome. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, excited to chat here about all things Amazon, e-commerce. You know, digital lifestyle. Yeah, man. So great. So we'll we'll start with the. Uh, I could get ask you some questions first, and you give me. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. Right. We'll uh, go over right. to your table. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Riley. Yeah, it was a really pleasure. We just met up in Bangkok uh, last week, had a nice dinner, and uh, ch chatted some of the some of the different war stories and marketing tactics and things like that. So, uh, so this 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 will be a show. I'm gonna. This will be on your channel and, and I think on, on my channel at Global From Asia Podcast, but I get to interview you and ask you some questions, your your story too, of, uh, of getting into the lifestyle over here in Asia, e-com, Amazon. So, so Riley, when would you say, you've, maybe let's go back, like, why did you think to, you know, start your own business, start selling online at all? What was the kind of the trigger? Yeah. Um, well, I actually kind of got into direct sales in college summers. Uh, one of my friends, nice. he was like, he's like, I just made a thousand bucks last week. I was like, what? A thousand bucks in a week, dude? Like, whatever you're doing, sign me up. And uh, it was door to door sales. And so um, I got into that oh. after my freshman year of college and ended up doing it all four summers of college, Sweet. just door to door. And then, you, you know, that, that's kind of like, you know, direct marketing, direct sales. Um, and then um, actually ended up doing um, corporate sales actually for the same company, Comcast, still door to door. I was their outside sales team, but corporate employee. Like, so I have to go into the office at like 10 in the morning for a few hours, team meetings, badges, scanning into the building, the whole thing. And so like door to door was my thing. Um, and yeah. then, you know, just like basically all commission based, just getting your sales done and then getting your commissions every two weeks. Um, and then I guess I just got so burnt out with that you know, eventually, and I would just like dream about just being able to stay in Starbucks in the cold air conditioning and just get my commissions there, just like via email yeah. or something. And because we used to have our pre meetings at Starbucks, like out in the neighborhoods yeah. before we would go out in the field. And then so that just got me like really thinking about like, how can I make you know, similar good commissions online and just kind of got me into the, you know, digital marketing world, like reading blogs and stuff. And then um, it really kicked off when actually my uh, best friend Parker, 
who uh, we started our Amazon business together, but he did a semester abroad in Thailand. And then I went to visit him with a couple other friends and that got us the spark to want to live abroad for a year. And um, after that quick two week trip out there, um, I was looking on YouTube, like live in Thailand, working in Thailand, and then found uh, Johnny FD's channel on yeah, YouTube. He says, I'm in Chiang Mai, check out my co-working space. I'm doing Shopify, dropshipping, e-commerce. And I'm like, what the heck, digital nomad? Like, what is this? And so we're like, screw teaching English or you know, working at a resort abroad. Like, let's do this digital nomad e-commerce stuff. And he said, by the way, I'm having this conference um out in chiang mai everyone come and we're like let's go to that went to it got into amazon and uh, rest is history that's a cool story man that's really cool and then obviously you kind of i you know i, I think it's good started in sales i think sales is is some people think um foundation of marketing because you understand you get that one-to-one -one relationship Hitting the, hitting the streets, right? You learn mm -hmm. the the questions, right? What's the questions that somebody or the the hesitation somebody asks you, right? When mm -hmm. they say no, and you you know you find out all the no's to get to the yes, and then you mm -hmm. um, you know I've seen I've seen your uh, your Amazon businesses and it's really done well, and you know, you're covering all those questions, right? Whether it's a sales page or a product details page. You're always mm -hmm. trying to get somebody to, to uh, have less reasons, reasons to say no. Um, yep. And yeah, I mean, Johnny FD, I've met him a few times. He's really, really nice guy and does great things. Mm -hmm. So so it was just direct to Chiang Mai was uh, the, the goal, the first Yeah, step. it was. Uh, yeah, it came out to the his first kind of conference out there. It was Dropship Lifestyle Retreat. And yeah, first one at 2014. And cool. um, so, yeah, it was straight there. And, um, you know, we had started our, our high ticket dropshipping store and maybe had that up and running for about six months, wasn't really getting traction. And so when we went to the conference, there was a guy that uh, did a talk about Amazon FBA private labeling method. And um, a few other guys that we had met were, were already doing it and making great cash. So we said, let's try that out. And um, it was actually our second product ended up getting good traction. And so, yeah, we were off. Yeah. I mean, I love this. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I mean, it wasn't the first product, right? I think a lot of people, mm -hmm. a lot of people get discouraged. You know, it, it is nerve wracking. It is scary. But yeah, I mean, most people's first first product is not usually the one that hits it. So, mm -hmm. and then yeah, high ticket drop shipping to Amazon FBA private label. Yeah, 2014 was was early was early for FBA private label. I mean, I think private label the term was just starting around then, maybe. And uh, so, so then uh, mostly probably from China, buying from China or or oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, China. I remember um, I was on AliExpress looking yeah. for stuff, and I found this product on page fifty. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Yeah, it was actually an idea for a product that I had. So um, actually one of my, one of our friends was crushing it with a selfie stick. And uh, I had the idea to do a selfie stick tripod, like put a tripod on the bottom of it so I could stand it up on the desk and just record videos. And so try, selfie stick tripod did not exist back then in 2015. Now when you search selfie stick, they're all selfie stick tripods. You can't get a selfie God. stick that doesn't have a tripod in the bottom that doesn't stand up. And so like 2015, crazy. And so I found a little cheap little selfie stick with a tripod on it on the bottom of uh, on page 50 when I was searched selfie stick on AliExpress. And um, we basically made a heavy duty version of that. And we were basically like, pretty much the first premium selfie stick tripod on Amazon. And um, cool. that got traction. Um, and so, yeah, that was our, that was our first uh, a winner in there in around like 2015. So, so it seems like it, so you are making modifications to the product, right? So are they molding changes or so is it, it was like actually no mold? So actually we took like a GoPro pole and we took a tripod, which is, basically this exact tripod Let me see it. and we just yeah. bundled them together and you could just screw the GoPro stick onto it and we called it Got the it. selfie stand. And so Got it was it. literally just a, a tripod with the GoPro pole, like one of the, you know, you know, heavy duty like ones it. you take like scuba diving or whatever and just bundle it together and put, you know, different mounts on the top. So there's a GoPro mount, a phone mount, yeah, GoPro mount or a phone mount. And so you could do either camera, GoPro Pro or phone and uh, sold it for like $39.99. And yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I love the hustle, man. And I know like try to, I, especially if, when people first starting out, don't don't try not to do molds and upfront costs until you uh, either have more money to burn or uh, are confident that it's going to be the right product. So mm-hmm. And um, so then was it like, so you were living off this like one product or were you kind of expanding? It was like a product line. Was it, or did you do more? Yeah, we were, for the most part, we were living off this one product. It was like, you know, we launched like some phone cases. I mean, over the years, um, yeah, we launched like a standalone tripod. Oh, we launched a, a second version that was called the grip stick. So it was the same uh, stick pole but with a um grippable tripod like an octopus uh, grip arm and they called that the grip stick and that ended up selling like just as well um and um didn't have as long of a life cycle but that like was another successful product basically kind of competing itself just like another version of it um and so yeah that was that and then in the next coming years, we launched some phone cases, um, some mini tripods, um, some Bluetooth remote type things. Um, but nothing, nothing, nothing really caught super good traction until the the uh, sticky wallet yeah. in about 2017, yeah. which I gave you a sample right here, there man. in Bangkok. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. And so, and so this baby's still churning. 
And so this is kind of our, <laughs> our main brand. So we basically created a whole brand around sticky wallet. And so, yeah. And then, uh, and then around 2018, um, kind of uh, a good friend invited me to his, uh, uh agency mastermind in, uh, in Bali. And he's like, uh, you know, we, we did a couple interviews on his channel and he's like, you should start an, an Am- like you're an Amazon guy. You could start an Amazon uh, agency. And so I was like, you know, as any entrepreneur, you know, um, next, what's your next thing? What's your next source of income? And so, yeah, I kind of launched it at that little um, conference that I went to kind of a more of like a retreat slash boot camp, um, two week thing, uh, all about building and, and growing your agency. And so, so yeah, that was 2018. And then started my agency then and still, still the agency is the, the main thing now. Great, man. Congrats. Yeah, this is a lot uh, interesting st- story. So where actually I forgot to add, I think you're, I hope it's okay. I ask Phuket, right? You're in Phuket right now or I'm in Bangkok right now, but, um, oh, you're still in Bangkok. Okay. I thought you were going Phuket to Phuket this year. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. basically my point is like, I think I'm in Chiang Mai. You were here, you're in Bangkok now. Like maybe, maybe give us some updates of where, where you've enjoyed over these years, you know, to coming out to Asia, living this lifestyle. What were some of your highlights of living? Yeah, man. Um, it's all a highlight, you know, where there's palm trees and sun, <laughs> I'm a happy dude. You know, I can, I can try to be tan, um, you know, at least a little bit. And so, you know, um yeah i I love the sun and so you know southeast asia thailand it kind of chose us you know with the with the finding johnny's channel and with you know my best friend doing a study abroad out here and um you know right when we came to that conference it was like immediately you meet a hundred friends that are like-minded ambitious adventurous willing to come out to the other side of the world for thailand to pursue their their entrepreneurial dream. Um, most of them are, you know, digital nomad minded. So they also, you know, are, you know, love experiencing other countries, other cultures, um, you know, the endless summer lifestyle um, and just enjoy that freedom of, of um, you know, being location independent and being able to work from anywhere. And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, you know, once, once you're here and you have that initial group of friends, uh, in Thailand, that just became kind of like the home base. Um, and so most of the time, so first couple years we're in Chiang Mai. And then uh, most of the past five years uh, based in Bangkok. I also did a couple years in um, Bali. Uh, and I've traveled around a good bit, you know, done uh, some stints in Croatia. Two months stint in Croatia, three months stint in like Istanbul. But um have you been to Bali? I can't. I, I've even I've even uh, bought conference tickets to friends' events, and uh, I haven't been. I even didn't go. I, I I don't know. It just seems like a little bit hard to get to. Not hard to get to, but you know. There was, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You'll I make it yet, man. I, I'm so yeah. When you bummed. get the chance, I, I have good people there that live there. I want to go. You know, I see them in other places, but I want to go visit them there. I haven't been to Bali, man. I can't believe it. 
Yeah, yeah. When you get the excuse conference or friends, whatever, it's it's great. You know, it's just an, it's another tropical paradise, and so <laughs> um, you know, can't really can't really say anything too bad about that place. Um, great, great to work remote remotely and similar to Thailand. About- lots of um, you know, lots of entrepreneurs and creatives and really smart and cool people. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the bad. Though. I mean, what are some of the hard hardest obstacles or you know i know that there's a good life the easy life but you know i like to hear the kind of the challenges or the the hardships if there are it was all all smooth no uh um yeah well yeah i guess there's different different facets you know there's there's the living abroad living in another country facet and then there's the entrepreneurial facet um yeah, I'm and usually on the business side. Into, I'm more on the business. I guess more on the business side if yeah. you have to pick one. Yeah, I mean on the on the entrepreneurial side, you know, um, it's always any business. It's always ups and downs. You know, nothing is ever um, smooth sailing 100 percent of the time. Um, but uh, you know, for for folks like you and I, um, we are all about the philosophy of being our own boss and creating our own future. So yes, there are those certain stresses with, uh, you know, being the owner of company, you have all these things you got to feel like you need to do. And, um, you know, if, you know, it's, it's the business, you know, has a downturn, it's like your responsibility of so many things going on. Um, and we have all these plates we got to spin, but, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, we chose this path to be our own boss and and build our own thing. Um, so it's it's what we signed up for. It's the it's the yeah. game we we signed up to play. And if you have a nine to five corporate job, that has its own stresses too, arguably more. And so yeah, there's right. stresses, but that's just anything in life has its has its um, you know stresses. How about the, you know, how, how about your parents? What, what do your parents feel or your family? Yeah. Um, my parents are, are great and so blessed to have um, awesome supportive parents. Um, my mom's been out three times. Uh, cool. She was just out here this, just this February. And so she loves it. She loves visiting. My dad's been out once. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're super supportive. And so, yeah, it's great. And where where's home hometown? Uh, Seattle, Seattle, Washington. Seattle. Good old good old home of Amazon. Nice. There you go. Go talk to Bezos whenever you want. And Get Starbucks a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. Coffee, <laughs> yeah. man. And rain yeah. and rain. Yeah. But uh, I'm up from I'm over in Connecticut's uh, other side. But yeah, Seattle's great. Mm-hmm. I've been out there. Um, yeah. Startup Weekend started there too. Hmm. I was there. So let's let's uh so the journey like yeah came out 2014 realized you could yeah do the digital nomad stuff the dropship legit FBA I'm just kind of recapping here and then yeah went through a few different products the sticky wallet is what's working agency mastermind this has been been fun so what you know how about like how about some of the the the, the lifestyle challenges or or or, or things you've gone through here yeah um 
lifestyle challenges. Well, um, again, you know, everyone has their own life situations. And um, I would say for, for many digital nomads, one of the biggest challenges or downsides is um, you're not around your family uh, all the time or you're further away from them. Um, but uh, I, I fly back home every summer, haven't missed one uh, for a month every July for the fourth family reunion, spend time with fam. That's, that's and good. so, really um, but you know, everyone has their own life stages. And so I bounced out here at 25. Um, you know, no mortgage, girlfriend, kids, um, dogs or anything uh, to take <laughs> care of. And so, um, you know, what I tell, you know, other guys in their 20s, like this is the time to take risks and to go out there and to start that business and to live in that country and to, um, you know, do that thing and, and take those risks. So, um, so yeah. And so, and, um, you know, this was, um, you know, my dream lifestyle to be a digital nomad. You know, ever since I found Johnny and I found Jabril and like other, you know, travel, you know, guys on YouTube from then, I was just like dead set. This is laptop and passport. It's all you freaking need. That is the lifestyle. And so in terms of lifestyle challenges, like having a job back home, that was my lifestyle challenge. Yeah, that was the life I didn't want. For me and too. And so man. having to wake up in the morning and go commute to work, that was a lifestyle challenge. And so mm -hmm. the kind of whole life hack was to be able to be able to make your living online. So you don't have to do that. You can, you know, structure your day and your week uh, and your month and your year on your own time. Um, but um so yeah, <laughs> there's that perspective. But uh, yeah, in terms of living abroad, you know, I like to, you know, on my my uh, my vlog and uh, blog, living that life, just kind of have the message that it's really not as scary at all. It's pretty easy to um, connect to digital nomad communities around the world. It's you know, the whole world is is uh, globalized and you can get a nice apartment very easily anywhere in the world and uh, especially in places like thailand uh, chiang mai bali phuket um, bangkok you can plug right into conferences and meet hundreds of other dudes um, gals in the same boats um, from all countries around the world and it's um it's very very easy to to be anywhere now so it's not, not really that many challenges, you know, the visa thing, very figure outable, just figure out a yeah. setup that, that works for you. So, yep. so yeah. I heard there's some challenges now in Thailand though, really recently. Um, I think yeah, student visa, people using student visas getting harder. Maybe. I don't know if you heard that yet. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I did just have a friend, um, a chip. He's another FBA guy. He just texted me. He's on the Ed visa, but now you, you can't get the Elite visa because he already had an Ed visa or something like that. But there's um, you know, yeah, just always Google, a way to Google, figure it out. Go, just Google search and see what's going on, see what other people are doing on YouTube, and I think and just do what they're doing. You know, I think I think we have. The, I think it's the same chip. Maybe he's from mm -hmm. Florida. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tall, <laughs> tall chip does FBA. Yeah, based in Chiang Mai. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. I street probably know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so I think you know, still seems a name. What do you think about the people that we were joking really quickly on the vlog? Like, it's never too late. You know, people are probably still saying, "Oh, but." Riley, this you did in 2014. You got in early on the private label thing. You know, like um, they're they're thinking of excuses. They're listening right now. And they're like, "Oh, we lost Riley." Oh, he's back. I'm still here. <laughs> Scared me, man. I, I'm putting you on a full screen. <laughs> oh, you, I thought you dropped, man. I mean, mm. Okay, but people are saying they're like, "Oh, I'm scared." Like you know, they won't say they're scared, but they'll say. Oh, it worked for you, but it won't work for me. You know, there's I think that's a common one, right? Or it worked then, but it won't work now. You know, like there's so many people doing it, like, you know, um, I'm too late. Yeah. You know, maybe that's what do you normally say to something like that? Yeah. Um it's yes and no. And so with like the get into fba you know almost like it's a fucking mlm or something <laughs> like you know it's like maybe back in the day maybe it's like you just get in and you throw in any old garlic press up and you can make it yeah. that's for sure over um you can't just do that anymore and maybe in the heyday early day of amazon you could because there was not all the Chinese copycats, not all the private label sellers. So that's probably true. And now it's like a more real business. Amazon is just the online shopping industry. Amazon is just physical products. So um, doing Amazon, you have to start with a good idea like any business. And so, yeah, what I tell people is... Um, yeah, you can't have any copycat, same, same generic private label product. Uh, it's probably not going to, probably not going to, you know, be a, a heavy hitter because even if it's not, even if there's not a lot of competition, um, you know, a Chinese seller can just have the exact same product and beat you on price. And so you got to have, you got to make your product unique and better. And so, and so, you know, more crowded with, you know, basic products, definitely. Same with any other platform. So YouTube over the past five years also has gotten way more crowded. So if you're putting out just like basic, okay content, your stuff is getting way drowned out now by premium, premium good content. Yeah. And I'm speaking to myself too. My views <laughs> have gone way down because there's oh, more no. digital nomad vloggers. There's more people... And so every platform, even Instagram, everyone's noticed my reach is not the same as it was three years ago. Yeah, because there's more creators. Al algorithms have also changed. That's that is something too. But um, it's just it's just like the internet. Every year, it gets more and more users. So what does that mean? It means you need to adapt to the new platforms, um, new strategies, and or just be better and more unique. Same thing with a yep. YouTube channel or a physical product. You guys just got to be better and more unique. Yep. I agree. I agree. And uh, I think we're kind of getting towards the end of my, my section, but yeah, for my, you know, I think we'll put this on my show. So I, for my ending, what's some ways Riley for you to 
for people to find you and connect with what you're what you're up to? Sure. Um, yeah, my my Amazon agency, Amazing Marketing Co. Uh, AmazingMarketingCo.com. Check us out. Uh, also, my travel vlog is Living That Life. YouTube.com slash Living That Life. Um, also on Instagram, um, Living That Life of Riley is my Instagram. Uh, I'm kind of sharing. Um, yeah, kind of just digital nomad lifestyle. You know, my mission there with the with the living that life. Um, you know, blog and vlog is um, yeah, just what I said. Inspire other guys to take the leap to to moving abroad. Um, make it you know, uh, spread spread the uh, you know kind of angle that it's not it's not as scary as it may seem. Um, and you know, you should you should totally do it uh, if you want to do it. And, um, and yeah, my Amazon agency is, um, yeah, like A to Z Amazon agency clients in the U S launching and, and managing their, their Amazon stores. So, so that's that. Really cool. Thanks so much, Riley. Really, really had fun. Yeah, that was good. Tips. Yeah. Great questions. All right. All right. Cool. Um, so yeah, let's dive into me interviewing you. Uh, <laughs> You've been in the game for a while, so uh, for those that don't know, Michael Michelini and your channel or your uh, your blog is over here. Let me make sure I'm sharing the screen. And oh, nice! I don't, I don't see the screen, but oh, okay. Let me uh, share the screen over here. Oh, yeah, there it is. Boom. Oh, cool. Boom. Yes, there it is. Blog right here. So check them out online. MichaelMichelini.com, cross border trade, e commerce, digital marketing guy, you know, bulletproof your e commerce business in a post COVID world. And so a lot of fun, uh, in the e commerce industry, living it for a long time. Also, global from Asia.com, um, cross border leader can be. Talking about Amazon, talking about importing, build your global empire, and, and Mike's blog. So, so doing a bunch of blog writing, video blogs as well. And so, yeah, check them out. Lots, lots of stuff, lots of knowledge to be shared. Thanks, buddy. And uh, yeah, and so yeah, so we got connected through some mutual friends. Surprise, we hadn't met sooner. Um, and so I had a kind of a, some questions for you. And what's really interesting is you said you got started in e-commerce in 2004. So what were you doing then? What got you into it? And, and yeah, what was that? Um, what were you doing in 2004? Sure. I just barely got out of college then. Uh, I was working in uh, Wall Street. So don't have the normal track. I, I went to engineering school because my dad, my parents wanted me to be, me, be like a computer engineer, but I, I thought it'd be cool to be in business. So I still did engineering, but then I went to Wall Street after and worked on a, basically a Deutsche Bank. It's a German bank on the trading floor for junk bonds. So I was working in, uh, in there, but I, to me, I, I thought I, man, I had no idea what I was doing, to be honest, dude. I just, mm -hmm. nobody, in my, nobody in my family or my network was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost embarrassing, but.
But at that time, I thought to start my own business, <laughs> I thought I had to work, go to MBA school, and then start yep. a business. I thought I had to get an MBA to start a business. Nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I had it in my mind, but I was like, I thought I had to learn how to do business at an MBA school. So I thought I was going to have to work in a while, save up, do the GMATs. Um, but then I started just, uh, actually my, uh, coworker, Greg, he took his senior design project from college at Michigan and turned it into a business selling apps. And, uh, I was helping him out on that. And I was so amazed that he could, you know, make money selling apps in 2003. It was 2003 when his, I started in 2004, but I was helping him on that. I was trying to join as a partner. He didn't want to have partners. So then I started to find other things while we're both still working in New York on wall street. But uh, I was doing online marketing. Nobody even knew what online marketing was then. Uh, and he was just like, oh, you, you know, I, I started to learn how to do growth hacking in an app store. There was no iPhone apps. There was no Android at all. Um, it was uh, mm -hmm. J2ME Java apps in Nokia phones. So I, mm -hmm. uh, I was talking about email marketing and Overture. And uh, I saw a Yahoo ad about attend an online seminar of how to sell online, start your online e-commerce business, something like this free lunch in a Holiday Inn in the 34th Street, Manhattan. And I was like, click, you know, click the banner on the top of my Yahoo mail. And then I signed up. Well, actually, I invited my roommate, Andrew. I was like, oh, Andrew, you want to go with me? Uh, there's free lunch. He's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'll get the free lunch. Holiday Inn. <laughs> so then we we go and then um, it was like a Saturday after Saturday after you know Saturday lunch afternoon you know and it was a hard pitch it was like uh, it was not a soft pitch it was like this dude I'm eating some kind of steak not steak like chicken or something you know and there's a uh, hundred mm -hmm. people in a room and there's a speaker that sells uh, wheatgrass kits and he says um you know I'm make money online it's, i'm here to i'm paid here to help present to you how to do this and then uh i was so skeptical i'll be honest man i, I was like this mm -hmm. is this is some this is some scam they're just cheeks you know trying to swindle me get me a free lunch and, and uh we 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 listened to the to, to, he actually gave some good content you know, he did give, it wasn't purely sales pitch, but there were people in the back of the room trying to sell you, you know, so you would go to the bathroom or they would try to say, can you come sit at the table with me and talk about your situation? They were trying to like close you. Hmm. So we were like, Andrew and I were like, we're too smart. We're not this dumb. We're not going to get scammed some MLM bullshit, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's so what it sounds like. That's what it smells like. It, <laughs> it feels like it. It was like a three yeah. to $4,000 program that you uh -huh. could pay, you could do up front or you could do monthly installments so it included like the cds it was like one of those plastic binders wow, of yeah. cds of how to do PPC, wow. how to do ppc how to do like how to create your store you know they gave you the software it was uh, uh actually they got sued for this um because of their hard sales. But honestly, their product wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but 
but we left. We're walking down the road. And then Andrew and I are talking. We're like, yeah, I bet you we could have made it work, even though it looks like kind of a scam or it looks like maybe it's expensive, maybe $4,000. Maybe we could figure out a different way to do it. But this did have everything in one and we could finance it. And we're talking ourselves into it as we're walking down the street of Manhattan. <laughs> so we stopped on a street corner, I don't know, maybe four or five blocks. And we're like, you know what? It's true. Why don't we just do it? We, yeah, we, we're not going to go and find the shopping cart and the merchant account and this and and try to – we'll just sign up. We'll, we'll just – and we'll just drop ship products. So we, sh- we said 50-50 and we just shook hands, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we walked back. They're cleaning up the tables. You know, they're, they're folding the chairs. They're like putting the mm-hmm. papers away. They're like, somebody came back. <laughs> <laughs> they're like you escaped and you came back so uh yeah we signed up we signed up and uh we didn't know what we were going to sell right it was like drop you know just drop ship and they gave you three storefronts so it was you know was, i guess you could say it's like shopify kind of is but you know you could use their back-end system and then publish a storefront and then load it with products and then uh, I, I, I didn't know, man. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what we know what we're doing. You know, we got some merchant account. There's no Stripe then, right? It was, um, one of those horrible merchant processors. It was so, so, you know, it had like barely anything, but basically I figured out overture. I did overture, uh, ads and it was, it, it truly was too easy. You know, like I was scared, man. I had no idea. I was the marketing and Andrew was more the operating and a product. And I, I was just watching the CD on my TV, you know, <laughs> of their program. And they said, just put lots of keywords, just load up products and and put lots of keywords and, uh, you know, see what works and then do more of what works and stop doing what doesn't work. Something basic mm-hmm. like that, right? Like he says, like, download this spreadsheet CSV file of the keywords, put them in, copy them, put them in. And yeah, I mean, I got sales. I spent like $5 and I got the next day I got $85 in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, not profit, but sales was still, I mean, it had margin and I was like, what the heck? So, and then, um, and then I did uh, eBay, but I did better on eBay than my own website with that those days and uh, mm-hmm. bar products. Mostly my, my, I started mm-hmm. selling guys stuff like, Mm-hmm. Start selling guy stuff, and uh, the first storefront. Right. I still have the domain, man. Pimp guide, your guide right. to pimping. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it was like poker supplies, like romantic gifts, bar supplies. Um, but the bar stuff did well, and then I, I couldn't get good margin on a drop shipping, so I, I ended up getting them from a wholesaler. That's in Florida. And then I kept moving mm-hmm. up the supply chain and making tons of mistakes. There's so many stories, man. It was, it mm-hmm. was just a school of hard knocks for real. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I bought from China. I still, I still worked on uh, wall street, but basically, yeah, I mean, that's uh, somewhat of a quicker story. I could dig in more if you want. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The whole wall street grind. Um, yeah, and then, I was the, okay, I was the big so, dude, man. Yeah. I was wow. a young guy and, doing the coffees uh-huh. and shit. You know? Yep, yep. Young and hungry. Like, yeah, that was, you know, similar in my mindset after college. I'm just like, 
how do I just make money? How do I make the most money possible? You know, and so that's <laughs> I, the mindset. I had the know? FU fund, man. Like I renamed my E-Trade savings account, the FU fund. You can mm. nickname it. Uh, you know. Yep. It's just, <laughs> yeah, finance, uh, banking, you know, that's where the money's at. But yeah, yeah it was I've good money. Guys sure. that had real serious burnout. Yeah, dude. Um, Coffee all morning, sodas, beers at night, and then try to do eBay at night. You know, crazy. Mm -hmm. So you were side hustling eBay, and then you were you eventually making enough where you could, uh, or you quit yeah. the. Uh, nice. Yeah. So by 2007, it was doing pretty well. I mean, I mean, there was at that time we 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 kept bringing in a couple of our friends as partners and. Uh, we turned our fraternity house. Our I was I already graduated, but I turned my I got one of my younger fraternity brothers, George, involved, and he uh, helped with some shipping and receiving <laughs> at, the, at the frat house. And then, and nice. then uh, it started to become pallets getting delivered. And then uh, the president of fraternity uh, chapter, you know, he's like, "Dude, you gotta stop sending shit here, man. There's no space. Mm. You're filling up the halls. You're filling up the kitchen. Like, you gotta stop. Nice. <laughs> don't stop. Don't keep sending shit here, man." But, nice. And so you were sending the the bar um, products there, bars? and then for a while, and some... then it went. Yeah. Go ahead, guy. And then some guy was like shipping them out to the customers every day. Yeah, George was 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 doing it. Yeah, or he, he was probably a junior in college at that time, and uh, you know I was working on Wall Street. There was one story. I, I think people, you know, maybe I'm a little bit, you know, shyer guy, especially for Wall Street. You know, those guys are more like sharks. They're like, you know, so they always want to yeah. toughen me up. They always wanted me to be mm -hmm. like more vicious on the calls, more pushy. Yeah. So. Of course, I'm hustling. I'm I'm checking my shopping cart orders while I'm on Wall Street, and there was one that was like I think it was five thousand dollars, and it was shipping address Cuba, or maybe somewhere somewhere in the Caribbean, and billing address Miami. And I'm like, that looks strange, you know? That mm -hmm. looks strange. So I called up George on the. I usually don't call from my work, but I I call from the work phone. You know, at the Wall Street, I was like, George, did you see? He's like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was a big one. So I wanted to get it out same day. I shipped it out yeah. right away. Uh, I was, yeah. I was like, you fuck, you fucker, man. Like, I started freaking out. Like, you just lost this $5,000. You should And uh, the Wall Street guys heard me screaming. And then I, I, I was like, oh, shit, sorry, sorry. And they're like, that yeah. boy, Mike. They're like, good job, yeah. good job. You you fight for that five. No, you, don't, you, you, don't <laughs> fucking you fight for that five thousand dollars. Like, fight for that. Oh god. They thought I was doing some kind of trade discrepancy, you know, like because I had to call other broker dealers about trades. So they thought I was trying to uh, do my job and just fight for the five grand difference for our bank instead of the other side because there's a sometimes trade differences. So mm -hmm. that was just a funny one, you know, because they're like, there he's there he goes. There he goes. And so that was a five thousand dollar order. The transaction never went through, but the inventory was sent so, off um, to and lost. Yeah, I mean it was actually there's a good story ending. The customer was real and he really was mm. from Miami that also was opening a restaurant in I think I think it was Cuba, but 
maybe and somewhere in maybe it was uh, somewhere else maybe puerto rico i don't know i just remember it was high risk he wanted the order like i emailed him mm. i said hey even my bank wouldn't give us the money because they said it was fraud and mm. so i had to get or something i had to get the spanish proof in spanish translated to english and sent to my bank so that they would actually take the money because they thought it was mm. fraud. But it was a real guy. He really wanted the products and he really was opening a restaurant in that uh, Caribbean island. Interesting. Nice. So it wasn't fake, products. but it just took a couple of weeks. Seriously, that was that was a nightmare though. Nice. Um, all right, let's get into some other questions. We covered the journey a little bit. Um, and... Um, yeah, like since getting into e-com, like, like how many brands have you launched, uh, or or companies, or kind of what what was your what was your main business model like from there? So yeah, the first one was again the School of Hard Knocks, and we had a few different partners, and we had different different different. You know, like I said, Andrew, I shook my hands with him on the street corner, uh, 50-50. And uh, George was in college and we brought him in and we all had different, all three of us, I think. And there was a couple others, Brian, you know, it, none of us ever, nobody did business. Nobody did business, right? Nobody did startups. There was no entrepreneurs, there no e-commerce sellers. So one wanted, one wanted cash flow, you know, one wanted to be a banker. And, I, you know, I guess you could assume me, I wanted to make it big, you know, I didn't want to take the money out. So like one guy, one of them, one person wanted to just take his max dividend, right? He wanted to just sell and take the dividend so he could, you know, party more or enjoy life more short term. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. But basically, yeah, I mean, I was like, I don't want to do that. But so I, I came out to China and I, uh, I sourced for that business. And then I started sourcing for others in the product space. Um as well as uh, start other brands, because um, I got a problem, man. I just love to make stuff. I I, I don't know. I just can't yeah. stop building things. <laughs> so basically, yeah. we kept that one kind of as as it was for a while, because um, they didn't want to like grow it. And then I started a couple other uh, brands and sourcing services out in in China. Nice. Um... Uh, what was your favorite business model uh, of all of them and why? Yeah, I, um, I'm i doing a, a newer model now where I'm licensing the um, – I'm licensing some of the, the brands, products. And I, I like it because um, one brand is Excalibur Brothers. Mm-hmm. Watching. This is one of the products. It's like a polishing cloth. It's. I think I showed maybe when we met up for dinner. Mm -hmm. But it's. Yeah. This is. I'm not the seller. I'm the. Uh, I'm the brand. But uh, the the seller is a uh, is another person in Toronto, and he likes what I've built with a partner, and uh, he buys inventory and lists it in Amazon and sells it and gives me a royalty, and we have a few people mm -hmm. like that. So that I like that model a lot. Um, and I'm also doing some models. I showed you where I'm working with the factory or somebody close with the supply chain to, uh, to launch brands. 
mm-hmm. uh, like like the actual the bar products brand. Uh, we're making a, a product brand now, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, so those are a couple of my favorite business models. Nice, so creating creating brands, like you said, you like creating creating yeah. products, creating brands, and so. What's been the secret to success in terms of the creating products slash brands in the, in the physical product um, space? Yeah. So for me, I don't know if this would be helpful for your listeners, but I've been doing it so long that I get to build up assets that I can use for multiple businesses and within a niche, like I kind of stick with home and gift and garden you know? And, uh, so like my first e-com business, New York bar store, that one I was talking about with Andrew, I still have the domain now. And, uh, it's more like an affiliate site for my brands. So I'm building out assets, content and distribution assets that I can use across multiple brands or products so that I don't need to do so much setup every single time. Right, they all cross promote sense. each other, but they're different brands, different entities, but they all they can all cross promote. Yeah, okay. exactly. Nice. And uh, nice. I'm even an Amazon influencer myself. So if you look on my uh, my listings, you'll see me unboxing them, but not as the brand, but as an influencer. And uh, I did it on a different. <laughs> It's so complicated. It's I don't know. I mean, I could dig in. I don't know. I just yeah. Because that that started because the brand says it's tacky if the brand does an unboxing. I don't know if we talked about this at our dinner meeting, but they said it looks weird if if the brand is unboxing their own product. So I was like, you know what? I could just unbox it as myself under a different brand. Uh, you know, not a product brand, but a unboxing brand. So I'm kind of like making an affiliate site where I'm an imp- I'm the unboxer, I unbox my own products, and finally it's kind of showing up on the listings because for they they kind of put you in the box for a while and they only show it on your own influencer page, not on the product listings. But now they're starting to show on mm-hmm. product listings. Okay, nice. Maybe you had to build up your your Amazon influencer. Did you yeah. have to be like an A A plus influencer or whatever they call it, A list? Or you're not there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I got to study how I even did it. I did it over years. Like I said, like I um, I did it and started doing it in 2016. I mean, I my buyer, I, I, I use my buyer account. My buyer accounts are from 2010. Um, and I was always giving reviews. Not, I never gave my reviews to my own products because I know that's dangerous. But I yeah. gave reviews to friends' re- products, or I gave reviews to books I like to read. I just wanted to have like an active buyer account as an asset, and that was even before the influencer program came out. And then it started coming out right mm. in 2017, so I signed up. But then I didn't really think about doing it. From, I was actually scared to do it for my own products because I thought I was going to get like violations because I'm a buyer and a seller. Um, yeah. I hope I'm not breaking anything, but friends have told me, and you maybe you could tell me, but but I all I know is I. I built it up over time. I don't, I don't from zero starting from zero. I'm not sure. I just was kind of mm-hmm. maybe lucky to say, I, yeah, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to discourage new people, but 
but the point is you just start and just build. I guess I'm a, I'm a workaholic, but you start to get these opportunities, right? You, you know, I didn't know that the influencer program was going to let me make my own product unboxing because my partner and my brand says it's tacky to have the brand as an unboxing and then I can use my influence. You know what I'm saying? So I have peeled up these assets that mm-hmm. I can use across my uh, various brands and businesses within a, a niche. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, what was the most um, profitable business model that you've done? Hmm. Usually sometimes profitable does not mean scalable, scalable, profitable, meaning like True. you can make a lot, but you can't make, you can make high margins or. Right. Hmm. But not scalable. Yeah. But, um, true, true, true. So I guess another way to frame I guess what, what has made you the most uh, profit. You know, like I think when um, when I work with these factory direct, um, they give me the factory price and I partner with the factory. And then, um, you know, I'm going like factory to the to the distribution to the to Amazon directly with. uh, Mm. So bringing the factories products basically D2C. But does that mean it's under your private label brand or or their well, like yeah, I mean I'm a brand. I'm currently a, a 30% shareholder of it and their factory is 70%. And they're also financing the inventory. Got it. So they basically brought you on as their D2C marketer for 30%. Yeah. But it's it's not a brand that you created, it's some Chinese brand. We did. We did it together and so it's- we did it together, so this is one. This, this is one right here. This is the one of them, Sato. So it's the bar. Oh, yeah, you showed me that. Yeah. So there's pours, and there's a whole shitload of these like coasters. So these are, uh, you know, okay. these are. So you and so you did create your own brand there. Yeah, we but, created um, it together. Yeah. But it's so it's kind of like private label, except you can sell it at a lower price. Um, because yeah, I mean, you, get, you can source it I'm at a getting price it, and, you, and you just get yeah. 30% of the sale price. So I'm a, I'm an equity holder. I'm a shareholder in a joint venture. So we set up a company together where we put the brand, the, the trademark the ownership and the, uh, the cash and the bank account is shared. And then uh, of course we dividend out money or, or a salary company, we we have different structure, but it's basically set up a company together, and then um, basically factory direct pricing, but we're buying from the factory. I got you know, there's cost right. to the product. So yeah, so instead of just charging a markup and selling it wholesale, kind of to private labelers, they're not charging any markup and just going straight to Amazon and then you're probably able to compete better with a better price on Amazon and then you're they're just paying you 30% of the sale price. Okay, interesting. And I I would guess, you know, that's harder to set up cuz you probably got to be in China and and be wheeling and dealing to yeah. get those kind of setups. Yeah, well this is a Thai factory this one. And uh oh. But 
in China it could happen too, but in China it's really unfortunate. But I didn't get these kind of deals opportunities in China because I don't know. I think the most the, over my ten plus years in China, they would never offer me something like this. They usually would just want me to open a seller account and give me like off the top on sales, like two to three to four percent, um, more for my mm-hmm. ID. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> they mm-hmm. wouldn't. It's sometimes hard for Chinese sellers to get U.S. Uh, seller accounts. So uh, two or three say, or four hey, times. Use your account, and they'll give you. A few yeah, percent they want to just to manage the store probably and use your account. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in China, I don't think I. I would. I think they mostly keep it, and from what I've seen within China, Chinese to Chinese people. Uh, yeah. Even me, I've been there 10 years. I didn't get those kind of opportunities. Got it. And so if you're partnered with this Thai company, how does it work with like ad spend and expenses? Or is it like you get 30% of, of profit? Yeah, or... I mean, I'm a, um, so I'm a shareholder. I'm, shareholder I'm so... Technically, oh. my company, I don't, I don't do things directly. So my company is a shareholder and his, yeah. their company is a shareholder. And then we do, of course, we can change the rules, but we dividend. We do a dividend twice a year, and mm-hmm. uh, of course, we pay for expenses. It's got to, to his company or to my company that we agree upon. Like, yeah, like my team's costs, of course, is expensed. Um, you know, of course, he's getting his product paid back as an invoice to his company, um, but it's like a joint venture company, and then. As we grow, you know, there could be more ways we could do it. But just any kind of venture, right? You could uh, give yourself a salary. You can give yourself a dividend. You could uh, retain the earnings and just keep reinvesting back into, like, growing the business. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, okay, cool. Uh, let's get to the next question. Uh, what is the most exciting thing? in e-commerce today for you? You know, I want to do more of it. Uh, crypto, I f- still believe there's a huge opportunity to bridge crypto and e-com. You know, I know, um, I don't know if we talked about, I don't know if you've done any crypto, Riley, or not, but, you know, I know it's got a bad rap, especially right now we're in a bear market in crypto and there's a lot of scams and this FTX guy just can't, he did such a disservice to the, yeah. yeah, he messed it up because it doesn't need to be a. I mean, anything can be a scam, right? Just doesn't mean all of crypto is a scam. But, yeah. but I still believe this NFT, Web three, crypto, ecom is going to come together. I, I think there's going to be might already exist today some kind of a an Amazon for N. I mean, of course, there's OpenSea for NFTs, which is like the top NFT marketplace. But I just think there's going to be some kind of a merger. There's going to be some kind of an Amazon or Amazon itself is going to do some kind of NFTs with with the product. Like I, I'm really thinking of it. I, 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 I can't really see it, say it clear enough, but it just makes sense to me. Yeah. Like to merge this NFT because uh, – with the brand, with the e-commerce, right? Because yeah. you can join the brand through an NFT. You know, what I was thinking, um, like, 
Amazon has such a dominating stranglehold on the market. But like, if anything to come out as a competitor, like, what if people built like a decentralized Amazon, a decentralized e-commerce platform, basically Amazon without the huge fees, like small fees. Exactly. So more for the people, more for the sellers, and they're not taking thirty percent of the cut. Well, that's that's fifteen to thirty percent. You you make me think of uh, looks rare for OpenSea versus OpenSea because that's what looks rare did. Looks rare mm-hmm. has their own token, and then they just said we're not going to have any fees, or the fees go back to the people. So the p- fees we yeah. collect goes back to the community. I would agree. I guess the big challenge is. The sellers like us, we're the bottom man. They don't give a shit about us. It's the buyer. So you got to get the buyers to go. If you can use some other way to get buyers to buy somewhere else, the sellers will go. Yeah, right? you need you need to be there. And it's also like, like obviously you need you know capital to to create an awesome platform. You know, Amazon is a is an awesome front end platform with all its bells and whistles and and stuff. But, um, you know, I'm sure you could create a much simpler version for doesn't need to be hugely complicated and just, you know, e-commerce sellers can list their stuff on there. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like what, what Shopify is, but like, and I think Shopify is uh, coming out with Shopify Marketplace. I think they already have it in Canada, basically a, 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 com- yeah. a competitor to Amazon just without as, as high Amazon fees, but um you know i was thinking might as well what if it's you know decentralized and you know true um you know um you know kind of just like a community market decentralized controlled by the people without huge high fees and um yeah that was just yeah an idea i'm sure someone's working on that it is a good one that makes sense i mean i just I just feel like maybe what I've noticed is I think it's still too early for a crypto, maybe, because you got to get the, the general consumer has to yeah, see that. Yeah, and obviously on that, you would be able to, yeah, once people use it more for daily transactions, then, um, you know, you can see more people shopping on some sort of decentralized platform. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe Amazon will accept coins in the future but uh maybe they're on amazon coin like but um you know the but the other thing the other half of amazon is its logistics empire and so no matter where you buy it number what website you buy it you got to have the the physical trucks and boxes and warehousing and and humans slash robots picking and packing them and so that's their other empire that's behind the scenes that is almost just as important as the website exactly and so yeah so you can't just hire some coders to set that up yeah yeah it's uh it is something they they did spend a lot on that i remember their investors were not happy sometimes because they invested heavily into this for a long time mm-hmm. yeah it makes sense i mean they're they're trying to yeah, become the next UPS and who knows, they'll probably buy them, uh, you know. Um, so big, being the biggest logistics company in the, in the world, if, if they aren't already are. 
Agreed. So, yeah. Interesting times. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. About an hour here. And um, let's see. One last question I have on my list. Perfect. Um, things to avoid when getting into Amazon slash e-com. What things looking back would you avoid or, or, or tips you would give to other guys getting in? I mean, it's an easy one for me. I did too many products. <laughs> I uh, even drop shipping, but some were wholesale, some were drop ship. But, you know, I went too wide in my product line. Yeah. And that, sh- that shit killed me. It was like a whack-a-mole, man. You'd, you'd run out of stock on one, you'd fill in another, you'd run out of stock on this one. It's that 80-20 rule, you know. Um, finding the what works and doubling down on what works. And, you know, maybe one... You know, I think at one point I had like 400 SKUs and uh, at one at one point, you know, you don't want to, you know, one's kind of doing okay sales and you don't want to you know, spend time building it, getting it going, so sourcing it. But, um, you know, I think it's always focusing on what works, doubling down what works and cutting what doesn't mm-hmm. and don't get too attached. Yeah. Nice. Great advice. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, nice, nice chat. Uh, hope some people got some, some good tips and insights out of this. Um, yeah, if you did, if you watched this far, like the video for sure. Um, yeah, check out Mike online. Um, everything he's doing, link, link in description. Um, lots of things in e-commerce. And so if you got, if you guys have questions, post them in the comments and, uh, yeah, Mike, I will, uh, See you Thanks, around at, at probably some point around uh, around Thailand. Yeah, I look forward to it, Riley. Thanks for having me, man. It was fun. All right. Cheers.